Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Kelly S. That's Kelly E-Y-S. And I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Today is Thursday, January 23rd, 2020. We are reading page 84 out of the big book here. Third paragraph, uh, and which is at the bottom of the page. And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, and we will read and comment on just that one paragraph. Today's readers are 12 Steps, Nancy M, 12 Traditions, Marge E. Readers of our text, Marge O, Lauren N, Katie G. Our newcomer greeter today will be Elena A M, and our second hour host, Jody E. So the reference numbers for yesterday, Wednesday, January 22nd, to 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 14006, 14006. The 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, 14013, 14013. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, quote, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers, end quote. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So I will now ask Nancy M. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Nancy. Star one, Nancy. I'm sorry. This is Nancy M. I'm a compulsive overeater and food addict in upstate New York. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters 
and to practice these principles in all our affairs. This is Nancy M., and I thank you for letting me serve. Thank you for your service, Nancy. And now Marge E. will read our 12 traditions. Good morning, Marge. Good morning. Thank you. Um, The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn, drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for your service, and I pass. Thank you so much, Margie. So this is how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, Sorry about that. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. So what you'll do to share is you press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then you press your star one to mute your phone again. So in order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today we are resuming our study of the big book on page 84. We're on the third paragraph at the end of the uh, page there on 84, third paragraph. All right, and it says, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone. And Marge O is going to get us started. Hey, Marge. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Marge O from Massachusetts, recovered here in Walpole, Massachusetts. And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. 
for by this time sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it as if from a hot, from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally, and we will find that this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We are not fighting it, nor are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We are neither cocky nor are we afraid. That is our experience. That is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. Would you mind uh, timing me for the three minutes this morning? So, you know, this paragraph is full of promises. I just always like to refer to the paragraph before that just reminds me that this doesn't happen overnight. It comes because we've been living our steps, doing our work, building up to step 10. Love and tolerance is the key. That's really what this is about, letting go of the fears, recognizing when I am selfish, dishonest, I'm full of resentment or fear, to go to God to it, right with it right away, to be able to have enough humility to call another person and say, I think I'm in trouble with this, I need your help, could I just share this with you? And so that I'm not carrying it from day to day. And that's how I remain in spiritual condition. Talk to God in the morning. Talk to God at night. Be sure to ask God first thing in the morning. Stay with me all day. How can I be a better person today? What can I do to help another person? And at night to say, what could I have done better? What did I do well? It's okay to ask that question, I, I believe. And then to know that I sit in that place very often. I'm not interested. I don't have to stay out of certain places. In this book, they would say, you know, you don't have to go to a bar room. Don't be in a bar room unless unless there's a reason for you to be there. I don't have to go to friendlies to prove that my higher power was with me at all times. However, I don't have to not go to somebody's wedding or a party or a holiday party because I'm afraid. I'm not afraid of the food anymore. I'm not afraid that it'll call me and talk to me. Does it ever? Once in a blue moon, and that's really how it happens. But because of this, and because of doing this work, and living this, and learning more every day being on this line, every single day I learn from you. And I went to the OA birthday party, and I learned a ton. I have notes upon my notes Um, with the speaker that shared um, about vision and about the big book. So I am eternally grateful, but it really does. This is the paragraph, I think, that if you don't believe anything else, just know that this happens to people every day that are living and working these steps. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Marge. So everybody take a deep breath. All right. Um, if you haven't shared in the last couple days and I'd like to share, I'll take your first name and first initial of your last. Craig Chate. 
Donna G. This is Larry. Larry K. Okay, Sam. I only heard. Wait a minute. It's a bunch of mumble jumble. I heard Craig. <laughs> Chuck K. Larry Chuck K. K. I'm only hearing the guys. I'm not being a, a sexist, but I've only heard three guys and a bunch of noise. Craig, Chuck, and Larry. Sam S. Who? Nessa R. Nessa Donna R. G. Donna G. Lisa B. Okay, let's stop there. All right, sorry guys, it was just a big mumble jumble. Here's who I got Craig F., Chuck K., Larry K., Sam S., I think, Nessa R., Donna G., and Lisa B. So please uh, press star one and make sure you're all muted. We'll get started with Craig F. followed by Chuck. Hey, Craig. Hey, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, This is Craig F. recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, this paragraph, you know, I I, um, hear these promises uh, for years. I'd sit in meetings and we'd read the big book and I'd hear these promises. And, um, you know, you can't describe colors to somebody that was born blind. And, 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 and I, you know, I, 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 read, I heard this and I thought, well, that's how I'm supposed to act. I'm not supposed to fight this. You know, it's supposed to just happen. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm supposed to cease fighting anybody or anything. So that means I don't, I'm not supposed to get in arguments, uh, you know, restrain a penance. Tongue and 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 so I looked at all that behavior that it, that it describes in here, and I missed the part that it says, you know, um, this will come naturally if I have if I'm in fit spiritual condition, and I missed the part that says that the way to get in fit spiritual condition is is through working the steps, to you know, through surrender, through uh, that uh, inventory process where I. Uh, uh, Expose my resentments, my fears, my guilt, and, uh, and and admit them to somebody else. All of them, and and how that I, uh, you know, ask God to remove my defects of character, and then and I go out and I repair the past at the best of my ability, and 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 you know, do it with humility. Um, I'm a human being. I'm just a human being, and I've made mistakes, and I'm here to fix them. And, and then when I do all that, then I get to this step, and this this uh, growth step of ten, where uh, I'm able, where I have a vehicle for handling this stuff as it comes up. And then when I've done that, I have this uh, uh, spiritual awakening, a spiritual condition, and then it comes naturally. What a, what a difference than you know fighting to be somebody that doesn't fight. That's that's essentially how I would describe doing it the other way. You know, uh, I, you can't get there by the discipline of working the tools. I can't get there by uh, by the by. I can't get away from internal struggle by struggling internally, and and that's what I tried to do, and. Uh, with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks, everybody. Well, Craig F., thank you so much for your share. Okay, 
<laughs> Next up is Chuck Kay, followed by uh, Larry Kay. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning, it's Chuck. Can you hear me? I can. I'll let you know if I can't. How about that? That'll work. So I remember the first time I've experienced this in my life. I was nine months in the program, and I was talking to my sponsor at the time, and I went by an all-you-can-eat place, and I had the thought, I have not eaten here in nine months. Not only that, I hadn't eaten any all-you-can-eat place in nine months. And at the time, before program, that is somewhere that I would eat three, four, five times a week. And you can imagine how much food I'd eat at each sitting. And the best analogy, the one that always made the best sense to me is that recovery is like a light switch. And what I have to realize is I'll never, no matter how hard I work or try, I'll never be able to flick that light switch off and on. That's what God does. And I always think about the awareness of program, the awareness that that's how it is. And my inability to do my job, I always wanted to do God's job before program, and I thought that was my, my job to do. I always wanted to do the things that God was supposed to be doing. And one of the great awarenesses I received out of program was the awareness that this is my job. Understanding these steps and working these steps right out of the big book, right as they are written, understanding that this is how the first 100 gave us as an example of how they recovered from their hopeless disease. That's all I do. I have to work it. I have to practice it. I have to understand it. I have to ask questions from other recovered compulsive overeaters if I'm not sure, and I just have to keep doing it. That's my work. Now, my ego wants me to try to turn that light switch off and on, but I'll never be able to do it. And that awareness is a wonderful thing. I am thankful that I have stuck with program for coming on four years. It's not always been wonderful and roses, but it's been a wonderful trip. It's been a great journey. I'm thankful for all that I've learned, and I'm thankful that I have a God that will turn that light switch off for me um, if I'm focused on what my job is. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Chuck K. Next up, we have Larry K. followed by CMS. Hey, Larry. Hey, Kelly. Um, three guys in a row. I'm not particularly optimistic about our future, but <laughs> we might need a group conscience. <laughs> I'm digressing. All right. Um, Larry K. recovered this morning. I just, um, you know, it says it just comes. That's the miracle of it. You know, I'm reminded of a caterpillar. You know, a caterpillar doesn't have to, doesn't seem to have to fight to become a butterfly. It just comes, you know, the, you know, and in the, in the, in using that metaphor, the realignment into something new comes naturally. And the caterpillar, you know, sheds its former self. The, the former self has to, in essence, has to die before it, you know, dissolves and, or transforms into something new. The old shell no longer exists. And, and in the same respect with our recovery, as my ego begins to dissolve, begins to diminish, never completely, right? But as a result of this, this spiritual program of action, then we, we transform into something entirely new. And, and there's, there are discernible actions we have to take. We understand that. 
And here's the paradox. No matter how active I was in program or how much I wanted this change, I wanted it so bad and I needed it to happen. If my state of consciousness stays the same as the result of the steps, if my state of consciousness doesn't change as a result of the actions, then I, ex I cannot expect that these promises will unfold. Because the paradox is that my self-will can derail my ability to awaken. So despite all the action, if there's no change in my consciousness as the result of these actions, that's why these actions were designed this way, to produce a change in my consciousness, to be brought into alignment with my higher power. You know, if not, what I'm really doing is recreating some sort of modified version of the same world over and over again. It's Groundhog Day over and over again. My world needs to change. My ego needs to diminish. But when it does, it does. These changes happen. And these, these they say, hidden tentative promises. They're not so hidden. They're right there. They do unfold, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, but they do unfold. It's a beautiful transformation, and I'm grateful for it. With that, I pass. Thanks, Kelly. Wow, everybody's wrapping up early and on time. So, okay. Thanks, Larry. Next up is CMS, I think it is, and Nessar. Was it Sam? Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for uh, moderating. Thank you, everybody, for their shares. How am I going to follow up with these great gentlemen here? Um, I'm Sam S. I'm a grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater in Rhode Island. You know, this morning um, I was reading the paragraph before signing on and really thinking about, you know, the promises in regards to being new in program with the food. Um, I remember earlier in my recovery trying so hard to cope without eating, like, oh, my alcoholic food. So I would drink all of these liquids, you know, water, tea, seltzer. I would have them, like, boom, boom, boom. And I would do that to cope throughout the day because that's what I thought was, you know, sane and normal. And I would be running to the bathroom every 45 minutes, like, so I wouldn't pee my pants. This morning, <clears throat> I was trying to find my mug. I forgot that I had a mug of tea in, in the microwave from the day before. That's like a neutrality that I've never had before. And that is what I'm thinking is this same way, you know, the, the normal manner. Um, that's what I wanted, you know, when I started understanding the steps and all the promises. I just didn't want to be so obsessed with trying to control things anymore. And, you know, this part over here, we will seldom be interested in liquor. It doesn't say like, bam, like God isn't going to sit there and like magically say like, you know what? You're good, Sam. You don't need this anymore. You know, like you're like miracle done, you know, close the book, go on with your life. So I just need to be um, really upfront with that reality that it might come. And if it does, what do I do? You know, I have a, a, a beautiful dog, my, my fur baby. And, you know, when we cook dinner, sometimes she'll sit there and um, she'll sit at my feet and she'll cock her head and her eyes glisten and it waters. And then I tell her, go, you know, go lay down. You know, it's not your time. And I need to do the same thing. You know, I can't sit there at the table and look up at, at people and, you know, be a little uh, uh, a beggar for table scraps of things. No, I'm, I'm not going to participate in, in, in begging or in pining or in pornographizing food. If I have something and I get that flicker, I need to I need to call someone, I need to do some type of program work, I need to help someone. Like I I I need to do the work here and that's what we're learning. And then 
last thing that I just want to to share is, you know, uh, a part of my my uh, steps is I need to not um, order or participate in foods or behaviors that I know are going to hurt me. And if I do that, you know, and I and I really be connected to God in, in my spiritual program and my spiritual practice, I know that God is going to protect me and he's going to place me in that position. I'm not earning it, you know. All I know is that when it comes to the food, like a hot flame, I need to respectfully know what happens. So just really glad to be on here. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Sam, for your share. So next up, we have Nessa R. followed by Donna G. Good morning, Nessa. Hi. Good morning. Wishing for you. This is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, You know, when people ask me what it means to be recovered, I read them these promises. Um, Because to me, these are the uh, recovery promises. And therefore, step 10 is the recovery um, step. Um, you know, because I learned, I learned the skills in steps one to nine, and more specifically four to nine, um, but I really get to practice them in step 10. You know, it's like, it's like if I want to be a doctor and I go to medical school and I attend all the classes um, and I acquire all the knowledge, but then I don't put it into practice by doing the rotations and the internships and, you know, like whatever it is. Um, then I'm not going to be a doctor, you know, because those skills that I learned, that knowledge that I acquired, it's not going to be incorporated into my, into my very being, into my psyche, you know. And, you know, recovery, you know, is brought about by an awakening, which is a, which is a personality change. And my personality is the way I, I think and the way I feel and the way I act. You know, my, my thoughts drive my feelings and my feelings drive my actions. And so if the way I think doesn't change, nothing will change. And, you know, the steps really are a new paradigm for thinking. You know, I don't know how to think differently because if I did, I would not be here. You know, so they, I, need, I need something or someone to teach me a new way of thinking. But then, I, but then I have to practice it. And so I need to find every single opportunity I can to do step 10s because it's practice made perfect. And, you know, I've been, practice, I've been practicing my disease um, sick way of thinking for, for decades. And so I need to really hunker down and practice this new way of thinking. So I have to look for any possible opportunity, not only do step 10s when I get something major happening, but even, even little things that happen, you know, like, um, you know, yesterday I was at the gym and somebody sat on my work, on my, on my workout bench, you know, like something as petty and silly as that, you know, I have to put to the, to the 10 steps, to the, to the steps, because am I going to eat over that? Maybe, maybe not. But it gives me an opportunity to practice the new way of thinking until it becomes my second nature, until it becomes a working part of the mind. So that next time somebody sits on my workout bench, then um, I'll immediately default, default to, well, Nessa, you're being, you're being selfish and, you know, whatever, et cetera, let it go. Uh, so this is the recovery step. We need to practice because practice makes perfect. And it's up to me what I practice. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Nessa R. Next up, Donna G., followed by Lisa B. Hey, Donna. Hi, this is Donna G. Thank you for your service. Um, I am a compulsive overeater, grateful to be recovered. 
Pennsylvania. And um, I just, um, what came to mind with this reading for me this morning was um, how much I fought everything before I was recovered. Um, literally felt, I had um, a friend in program say she felt like she had boxing gloves on all the time, ready to, to box. <laughs> and that was me. I just felt like I fought everything, including the food. I fought every, every, everything. Um, I never was on any group text because I would get so annoyed that I would just want to fight and, or shut it down or, you know, run from it. And now I'm on so many group texts. And um, what came to me is a couple of them. Uh, yesterday, my sister is um, in recovery herself and another program, and um, it was her birthday, and I have a very large family, so that's one of the group texts I'm in, and um, somebody started um, mentioning the thing that she uh, is recovering from, and I got really nervous at first, and then I went, whoa, wait, 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 wait a minute, like, we be fighting. This is, the, this is the recovery. This is what I'm recovered from. This is what she's recovered from. And um, there's nothing to fear. Um, likewise, I'm on a group text with people from my live meeting. And um, for a while there, there were a lot of texts about certain um, experiences in the grocery store and certain experiences in, in different food, where places where food was. And um, I would want to fight it. If you're in good spirits, but I didn't fight it. I just let it go. And what I've noticed is with time, um, more and more of us in that group text uh, say that we're recovered. And more and more of us, um, there's less and less talk about um, the fight. And um, so anyhow, in my, in my sister's honor, yesterday being her birthday, my baby sister, I uh, just wanted to offer something her um, sponsor always says. Um, which is we're not in the we're in the effort business. God's in the results business. We're not in the results business. We leave that to Him. And um, I just love that. That brings me so much hope. And it, it definitely speaks to this lack of fighting. Our, our freedom is a freedom for fighting. And so um, I just wanted to offer that. And if you're a newcomer, hang in there. The boxing gloves will come off. And uh, it's such a freedom. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Donna G. And next up is Lisa B., and then we'll be taking more shares after Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and I do spell my name L-E-S-A. I wanted to claim my seat and just share my experience with this paragraph. Um, There's a lot of hope and promise here, and when people come to me and they say, you know, I'm looking for our sponsor, someone to work with me to take me through this big book. Do you have any suggestions? I always share with them that my experience is I found it so important when I'm looking for a fellow to say, you know, have you done all the 12 steps in abstinence and are you neutral with food? Do you now have neutrality? Have you had that spiritual awakening? And because that person then has a message to share, you know. And this is how I begin to see that I am recovered when I'm experiencing these promises, the ninth step promises and the 10th step promises. And neutrality is across the board, not just with food, but in life, in relationships, with traffic, with 
with struggles, you know, with my dreams and desires and my goals and my wishes, everything. I have to be neutral with everything. And that means not fighting and not battling and not trying to push and get my way. And, you know, it's not always like that. It's not like what someone says on this line. It's not rainbows and puppies, you know, when I'm in this step, when I'm recovered. It comes back, you know, those off places inside of me will come back out of me. So when I start to smell foods more, and like if I'm at work walking through the biz- the building where I have my office and they have a kitchen and there's like cookies and pastries down there, most of the time I don't even notice them. But every now and then, like out of the corner of my eye, like it jumps out at me. <laughs> it just jumps out at me. I know I need to get on the phone and share with someone that there's something going on. So when smells and the appearance of these things, and, you know, the self-seeking behavior is going to kick in for me when I am not treating the malady. It's going to show up as a self-seeking. I'm going to want to start to lick the knife. You know, if I'm making a salad, I'm going to want to put the carrot in my mouth. Um, You know, those are compulsive eating behaviors that are very deadly for me. That's not part of my abstinence. I need to get on the phone and share that. Um, The other thing is I still sometimes will have thoughts of like uh, cookies. You know, cookies was the love affair of my life. And our neighbor had us collect their mail for them. And Mrs. Fields cookies came for them. And we had it there sitting in our house. But guess what? I recoiled as if from a hot flame. And I did share it with a fellow. So it's not like those things don't jump out for me. I do recoil. It doesn't happen as often. But it's really living in the steps so that the character defects don't get triggered and then I get uncomfortable and I need to eat to feel better. So I just wanted to share my experience, strength, and hope. And I'm happy to be here. I'm grateful to be recovered. I pass. Well, thanks, guys. Everybody finished on their three minutes. Okay, so if you're just joining us, uh, we are in the big book, page 84. We're on the third, uh, last paragraph there that says, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone so if you haven't shared in the last couple of days and would like to share, give me your first name and initial of your last. Mary Ann, um, Janet, Katie D, Lauren N, Janet, background Okay, so okay, wait a minute. I got Leah M. I think Janet, somebody W, Katie G, Lauren N, Katie G, Darian K, Lauren N, Darian K. Was there somebody W? Carmela G. Or Carmela G. <laughs> it's like a W. Okay. Was uh, Well, let's just stop there. Uh, Leah M, I think, uh, and then Janet. I didn't get your initial. Katie G, Lauren N, Darian K, Carmela G. So, uh, Leah, you're up. Thanks so much. I appreciate uh, this, the reading this morning. You know, when I when we get to this part, when I'm working with other people, um, you know, I like to point out what we were like prior to God consciousness, prior to this work. So page 24, the fact is that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, have lost the power of choice and drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and 
humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. Well, what happens as a result of these steps? What happens as a result of the pressing in of this work, the implementation of this work? I am transformed. Um, and we get to page 84, you know, for by this time sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it as from a, as from a hot flame. We're placed in a position of neutrality. This is representing God consciousness. This is the change that has occurred where I've been taken from restless, irritable, and discontent to a place of happy, joyous, and free, and I have no need, no desire, no wish to self-destruct. You know, I put up no struggle or resistance. There's no fight whatsoever. So, you know, it, it is a transformation, and this is what we're talking about when we're talking about recovered. The big book uses recovered because that word shows a complete change, a transformed mind in one's attitude, and that's the advertisement. I no longer have the illness I used to have. Yes, I always have the allergy of the body. I no longer have the obsession of the mind. It's been driven out. And the big book boldly states in step 10 in what we're reading that we'll be placed in a position of neutrality with respect to our binge foods because we have recovered. It also declares we're not cured. We have a daily reprieve from the original bondage of food as long as I have a daily practice of my steps 10, 11, and 12. So it is a transformed mind. You know, I know my abstinence date. My abstinence date is January 19, 1987. I wish I knew the date that... I stopped having a critical tongue. <laughs> I used to lash out at my husband all the time. In the first year of recovery, it, it dissipated. It, it ended raging. I used to rage, you know, quite frequently. It left. I don't have the dates for that. I don't have the dates for that. But I can tell you that is a representation of the transformation that occurred as a result of the turning of the steps, specifically steps four through nine, where my attitudes, ideas, and emotions of yesteryear were transformed, and I was now dominated by new ideas, emotions, and attitudes, and I had no, no need to self-destruct under the guise of compulsive overeating in order to seek, you know, ease and comfort. I, I didn't have that need, nor did I have a need any longer to lash out and to hurt other people because I was hurting. <laughs> it's truly remarkable, truly a remarkable transformation. And I just, you know, <laughs> I, I recommend it and highly, you know, that it does work. We become recovered. We recoil as if from a hot flame because I see the disability as the truth, I have an allergy of the body. There are certain substances I can't ingest, and the obsession of the mind's been driven out. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Leah M. Um, and was there a Janet? Yep, Janet B. Oh, hey, Janet B. You're up. Hi. Okay, hi. This is Janet B. Recovered from compulsive eating and bulimia in New Jersey. Um, I also just latched onto that line for by this time, sanity will have returned. And for me, it's important to know, okay, if sanity's returned, what was the insanity? And I also look back at page 24, and it tells me that my insanity is that I'm unable to bring into my consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of a week or a month ago, and I have no defense. 
And that to me is really interesting. When I walked into my first OA meeting, I didn't think anything about broken memories being part of my problem, but it really is. And the way I understand it is that normally the reason like I don't touch a hot stove is because in my memory banks is this memory of if I touch a hot stove, it will burn me. Either I've done it in the past or I just learned it. That's why we keep our little kids away from hot stoves. It's not in their memory banks. So if I'm tempted to touch a hot stove, it's like my memory will send a little thought across the bridge to my will saying, don't do it, you'll get burned. So stored in my memory banks was the memory of, I'd go out and buy a box of cookies and say, I'll just have one. But I would end up eating the whole box. And there were probably a thousand memories of that. And when the thought was the, and um, when I was tempted to eat, the thought would go to cross the bridge from my memory to my will, but the bridge was broken. So even though the stuff was in my memory about don't do it, one leads to eating the whole box, that thought could not get from my memory to my will, to my conscious mind. And that's what made me insane. Um, and so the return to sanity to me says two parts. First, I'll seldom be interested in liquor or food not on my food plan. And if tempted, I recoil as if from a hot flame. Not because my memory suddenly works and I can keep my memory green. My memory is forever broken. But because, as it says on page 85, I'm protected. God himself has come down and protected me. And it says that's the miracle. And this book, according to the forward to the second edition, is about wholesale miracles that like God comes and protects me, removes the problem from me because my memory can't hold me in check. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Janet B. Next up, we have Katie G followed by Lauren N. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, <clears throat> Kelly. Thanks for your service. Katie G recovered in Boston. Yeah, you know, um, a lot of people sometimes will say we have denial. Nowhere in my big book that says I have denial. I'm actually a lot sicker. I have delusional thinking. Delusion is a false psychotic belief, right? It's the belief that every time I went back, it's going to be different. And here's how. Whether I was going back to the food or I was going back to the fight. And I fought my whole life. And I fought because from the time I was whatever, cognate, whatever, conscious, right, all I was aware of was how alone I was. And I felt, well, excuse me, I felt like I was alone. I felt like I was the only person in the world that cared about Katie, my selfishness, self-centeredness, my dishonesty, and my fear. And I turned to food to self-medicate. And I fought, I fought, I fought you. I looked for other people to fight. And I can't believe that today I don't fight. I'm so tired, I don't fight. And around the food, for some reason, each 24 hours, I can have food that it used to terrorize me in the middle of the night all over my face, not because I'm putting on a fresh mud, mud mask, but because I have a young family and I have my hands in the food or husband goes away and, and there's tons of food in the house and it doesn't terrorize me. What is that? It doesn't terrorize me. But more important, I'm not cocky. I'm not walking around saying, hey, look at me, God, I'm going to go into this hot fudge, buy this hot fudge sundae and put it in my mouth. 
but I'm also not afraid. How many years in the beginning of a program was I scared? I was scared of the food. I was scared of going out to dinner. I was scared of sharing a meal with you. I was scared of doing anything that involves food. It, it, it terrorized me, and it had power. Right? And that's what this is telling me is nothing has power anymore because God has power. But I need to remember so long as I keep in fit spiritual condition, what does keep mean? It means to be faithful to. So a lot of times people say, as long as I'm in fit spiritual condition. Well, I hate to be a wordsmith, but you know I love words. It doesn't say I'm in fit spiritual condition. It says I'm keeping, remaining faithful to. So what do I have to remain faithful to the disciplines of surrender, entire abstinence around my food. People call me and I'm confused. What is a slip? Did you slip into a little bit of binge food? Did you compulsively overeat just a little? The last time I checked, you're either positive or negative, right? These tests are not, um, for me, I have to be entirely absent. And then I get the privilege of seeing where I'm selfish, self-centered, dishonest, and afraid. And I'll wrap up with this. Being vulnerable, being an addict, I'm not just a human being, I'm being an addict that makes mistakes. I have a program of recovery, and I don't need to worry about anyone hurting me because I have a God that's so big. He wants what's best for me. He loves me, and he teaches me how to live. And with that, I pass. Perfect timing, Katie G. All right, so next up, uh, Lauren N., followed by Darian K. Hey, Lauren. Morning, Lauren N. Hi. Hi. Oh, my God, how lucky, how incredible these promises are in my life. I no longer... Ah. Wow, I no longer fight everything. I no longer want to be that sick human being that I was before I came into these rooms, before I learned how to be a recovered woman. Um, I am so grateful today that I have these promises have come true in my life. I'm living life every day as it is the last. And with that, I get to walk past all these goodies that I used to just love and used to eat in excess. And no longer do I even crave them sometimes. As others have shared this morning, I can go through days and days of not even seeing them and how incredible that is to be in that place and it's only with your help, with all the gods with skin that are on this phone line every morning that I've able, been able to learn how wonderful life can be without the goodies and without the cravings and to be totally neutral around food and around those pieces and things that I just went crazy over. I'm able to remember so clearly how bad it was and know that as long as I hold on with every single ounce of my body to this program, I will not be there again. 
Thank you all, and thank you, God. And with that, I'll pass. Well, thank you, Lauren N. And next up, Darian K., followed by Carmela G. Hey, Darian. Hey, Kelly. Um, this is Darian K. in the Berkshires of Massachusetts. I'm grateful to be here. Um, four degrees here. Lovely. Um, I am just so grateful um, to be on the line. I mean, I'm just so full of um, hope, you know, um, and I've been around a long time. And, you know, why, why do I keep showing up? Why do I keep coming back? It is this, these promises. It is all about neutrality around the food and the fact that I don't have to fight it. Not to be like, oh, I really want that. No, I shouldn't have it. Oh, but I really want it, you know, and then eat it. Oh, I feel like crap. I'm fat and ugly now. I can't stop. I'll go on a diet Monday. By Tuesday, you know, diet's done or whatever, and the weekends are for eating, so why bother? And oh my gosh, that mental craziness, right? And um, I don't have to do that today. I can actually wake up and ask my higher power to keep me abstinent and at peace and with him all through the day um, and to make the right choices with everything in my life. So grateful, so grateful. I, you know, I, I think about it a lot. Um, the fact that I, you know, I recently moved in with my boyfriend, well, a couple years ago, but, you know, when I lived on my own, I didn't have a lot of stuff in my house. It was, you know, like a kind of a sterile place where I, I only brought in the foods that I eat. Now, he eats very differently than I do. And there's a lovely neighbor next door that, that gives us four gorgeous little cupcakes every week. And you know what? I have no desire for these things. That still blows my mind. Sorry, after 30-odd years, it blows my mind. Like, those do not call my name. And... Steve's pretty lucky that I, that I don't eat them because they'd be gone in a day. And you know what? He ends up throwing some away, which also blows my mind. <laughs> um, but today I don't need to have them and I don't need to eat foods that are not good for me. I know today I've identified the foods that I am neutral around, you know, and that was that first, really that first um, piece of work that I needed to do. And it was a real eye opener. And so for today, I am neutral around the food, and it's only by God's grace um, and by all of you. And like I said, the hope and the strength and the passion that you have for your program, it just feeds right into mine, and I appreciate every one of you. With that, I pass. Thank you, Darren Kay. And next up, Carmela G. Hey, Carmela. Thank you so much. I, I wanted to share this morning because it's just about six years ago this month that um, I started listening to Vision, and I had just about been in program. My abstinent day is July 22nd, 2013, and for the first six months of my program, I didn't know about the big book. I, I knew that I was desperate. I knew that I had to lose a tremendous amount of weight. And I found a sponsor. She was not a big book person. And um, Christmas Eve came, and I literally, fighting, 
I ran through the house um, of my nephews. We had a big Christmas Eve celebration, and my fists were clenched, and I was running from the food. And talk about being owned by a substance. I was owned, but I was determined that I was not going to pick up. And I kept going from room to room. I ended up down the basement with the children because there was no food down there. And um, I called into vision shortly after that. Someone had given me the number, and I heard someone sharing, and I I looked her number up, and I called her, and she said to me, Carmela, you're white-knuckling. I had no clue what white-knuckling meant. And if you don't get a sponsor soon and work those steps, you're going to pick up. So I did, and I worked those steps. And the gift of today, the miracle, I say sometimes, Why, God, why did you choose me to allow this? But the reality is, I open the door. He chooses us all, but I open the door finally to let him in. And I'm no longer fighting. And I now can make anything for all the children in my family. And it doesn't call to me. That is is true neutrality, and that is truly a gift. But I can never take it for granted. Every day I am grateful and I must connect, put that plug in, and walk in the sunlight of the Spirit on this journey. So thanks for allowing me to share that memory and enjoy the day. Carmela G. from New York. Thank you, Carmela. And I have time for a two-minute share. Who would like it? Vasa O. Irini. Oh, Vasa. You got it, Vasa. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Vasa, grateful, grateful, recovered, compulsive. Vita come from Florida. Thank you for your service. And I fought the food for 25 years before I came to Overeaters Anonymous. I was 15. I fought the food from 15 years old till I was 41 years old. And uh, I've I had a sponsor. I had a friend that brought me into the program. And she 12-stepped me for about one week, a little bit here and there. I wasn't going to any meetings, but she told me, told me about the program. Just time me, please. And she said, and then when we went to our first meeting and um, we came home in the driveway, we had another chat, and she said, now you're going to count. This is going to be your abstinent day, October 25th, 1986. She told me that was going to be my abstinence day. So I committed to her, and I committed to myself and my higher power. I surrendered. I wish I could tell you I didn't have to uh, white-knuckle it. Of course I did. It began that night, my abstinence. The next morning, I wanted to eat. I was going crazy. But she said to me, we can do all things with our higher power. You ask God to help you between meals. And the you know, giving up my alcoholic foods was just horrible. Of course I was uh, white-knuckling, but she always said to me, get on your knees, pray, and ask God to give you the strength, the power to get you through. And no matter what, no matter what, don't go back to the food. Read your literature, go to meetings. God was not going to bring it home to me 
on a tray. I needed to go to the meetings. I needed to work the steps. I mean, this is a practice. I've been doing this for many, many years. At the beginning, of course, um, you know, whenever the obsession came back in my mind, time. I'll wrap it up, thank you. And I would recoil from that from like um, um, hot flame. But it works. The promises are just amazing. They've come true for me. I don't fight the food. I don't fight life any longer. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you so much, Vasa O. And I just want to point out real quick, um, when I came in, just for the newcomers and the re- people maybe still in relapse, um, when I came in looking for that neutrality with food, which I think we all are, I was, this neutrality, this promise is in step 10, which I didn't understand for 30 years. I had to work steps 1 through 10 to get that neutrality with food. So that's why we got to get busy with the steps. So, um, all right. Thank you, everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Thursday, the 23rd, 2020, is 14016. 14016. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Lauren N. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come. If your own house house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to you to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you shall surely, you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.